0: This is
1: men should pour into younger men. Older women should pour into younger women. That the faith that has been entrusted to us by the Spirit of God will continue on. And because we live in an individualistic culture, what you have? Young people who stay with young people and older people stay with older people. And the older people don't like the younger people music and young people don't like the older people music. And the whole thing goes on and it's all meant to divide people when God's heart is to do what? Bring people together.
0: Families are made up of all people of all ages. Family isn't just older or younger people, but different ages mixed together. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that God's family is no different. In fact, you'll discover that God wants those who are more mature in their faith to help the younger generations grow in their walks with God. Pastor Daniel reminds you that our culture wants to separate us from each other, but God wants to bring us together. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 3 as he begins his message, the special work of the Levites.
1: Let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 3. I'm going to try and take today chapters 3 and 4, and you guys are chuckling, I can't fathom why. I actually did the math, there's a hundred verses here, so if we're going to get out of here sometime before tomorrow morning, we might as well jump right in, shall we? Now listen, if you recall what's been going on, the first two chapters, there's two different Censuses and layouts There's In chapter 1 It's numbering the children of Israel As they're going to be going into the promised land And they're numbered by tribe And then in chapter 2 We get the camping diagram There's the tabernacle of meeting God's presence among his people It's right in the center of the camp And everybody is arranged Around that one thing And if you were here last week Remember I made the point That that's an important application for us Because we Define ourselves we see our identities based on God's presence and our relationship to the community And if you recall I made a strong point about that because we live in a culture where it's all about the individual Where I am an individual and I exist outside of everything that's kind of a cultural value But the Bible teaches us a different way to be human And we have to remember that an individualistic culture is a new invention, and at this point, even though we've all been raised and reared in that, the jury's still out if it's actually good for any of us. Isn't it true? As individuals, we feel so lonely and isolated. We are surrounded by technology to connect us, but yet most people feel detached from people. Because in an individualistic culture where everybody is the sun, and they expect the whole world to revolve around them, It's a quite disconcerting thing when you realize that everybody doesn't revolve around you. And everybody feels let down by each other because everybody expects that it's all about them. That's what an individualistic culture gives you. So if everybody thinks it's all about them and their needs, and every relationship you go into, you're here to fulfill my needs, and they're like, well, you're here to fulfill my needs, and how does it feel? It feels totally broken. So, the Bible teaches us a different way to view our lives, and its primary focus is the presence of God in the center of the people, and then how everybody relates within the community. Now, if you recall, we haven't heard anything about one tribe, the tribe of Levi, who we call the Levites. And they pop up with two different sentences, one in chapter 3 and one in chapter 4. And so, we're going to spend our time today looking at Chapter 3, and Lord willing also, chapter 4. Chapter 3 counts all the male Levites more than one year of age. And then chapter 4 numbers all male Levites between the ages of 30 and 50. Now what you're going to see is the reason for the distinction is they've numbered all the tribes except for the Levites. So they're going to have a complete number in chapter 3 of the Levites, and then in chapter 4, it's only going to be the men between the ages of 30 and 50. Why? Because that is the age for priestly service for the Levites. So they only serve between the ages of 30 and 50. Now, even though we haven't gotten there yet, when you hear those type of distinctions, because we live in a world that is suspicious, you always want to find a reason why there's a problem with that. But the idea here is that between the ages of 30 and 50, a man is old enough and seasoned enough to understand the gravity of what he's doing. He doesn't have the foolishness of youth, per se. And then when he hits 50, it's not that he's not good for anything, but when a priest hit 50, now their job is to be a sage and pour into the next generation so that you have an unbroken line. And it's a beautiful thing because in different times in your life, there are different functions that you should fulfill. And so it's a beautiful thing that you can imagine a 51-year-old priest who's done his 20 years of service, now he's pouring into the younger generation. And now when these guys hit 30, they're not just like, hey, I don't know what to do, but I'm 30, so now I'm in here. But they're mentoring them so that it continues on. And you guys know that your Bibles talk about this, Right? how older men should pour into younger men, older women should pour into younger women, that the faith that has been entrusted to us by the Spirit of God will continue on. And because we live in an individualistic culture, what you have young people who stay with young people, and older people stay with older people, and the older people don't like the younger people music, and the younger people don't like the older people music, and the whole thing goes on, and it's all meant to divide people when God's heart is to do what? Bring people together. Grace always brings together. And so if you look around this room, it's a beautiful thing. This is the body of Christ. Look at it. There's people different ages, different genders, all together, studying together. This might be the only place in Clark County where you have a legitimate cross-section of people all together. And this is what a family's supposed to be, isn't it? You go to a family function, there's older people and younger people. There's little kids and there's older people. And they're all together. And that's the way God designed it. So that gives us a little bit of a framework. I better jump on in or else we're not going to make it to the end of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1, look what it says. Now these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names, verse 2, of the sons of Aaron. Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron, the anointed priests, whom he consecrated to minister as priests. Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children, so Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father. So it begins now with the sons of Aaron. Now, if you're new to our study, remember Aaron is the older brother of Moses. And God called Moses to be the mediator to help the children of Israel leave Egypt and enter into the promised land. But Moses was scared. And you'll remember that in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. He's like, oh, Lord, just send anybody but me. And Lord's like, look, I'll bring your brother Aaron. And your brother Aaron will speak for you because you're too scared, right? And so Aaron and his sons become the primary leaders of the priestly tribe. Even though Moses is the leader, God really uses Aaron and his sons. So we get the breakdown of Aaron's family. He's got four sons Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. Four boys. Now, notice what it says in verse 4. We were reminded that Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children, so Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron. If you were with us in Leviticus chapter 10, or if you want to go back in our archives, remember everything was set. God gave them everything. And in the heat of the moment, Nadab and Abihu just stepped out and did something outside of the prescription and they died there. I could take the whole night just going back over the story. What I want to remind us of is that there's a biblical principle that says that the wages of sin is what? Is death. Now, I don't like it. I know that you don't like it, but that's the reality of life. That God created Adam and Eve eternal, but there's an old saying that there are two things that are constant for everyone, death and what? Taxes, that's right. Now, that might not be everywhere in the world, but it is that way in America. And the idea is that because sin entered the world, death enters with it. And so Nadab and Abihu are unique because God just gave them this beautiful thing, and they stepped out, and they got doing it their own way, and they died, And you might say, well, that sounds terrible. And you have to remember that the Christian faith teaches that Jesus died a death in our place. See, we don't take the wrong things we do serious enough. We're so used to making mistakes that we don't realize the gravity of what we do. And God wants us to take our lives seriously. And Jesus died and rose again in our place because our lives are that important. I had someone just recently say to me, I, I met him in an airport, where we started talking, and you know, nothing better than being in an airplane, like, you're stuck, you know? And people talk to me, they don't, you know, they never think I'm, the, I'm a pastor, so it's like, we'll talk about everything, and then, oh, so what do you do, you're a musician? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, oh, you know, and so I'm like, <laughs> and I, I, I'm not looking to harass anybody on an airplane, but we start talking about things, like, I just, you know, I don't understand, like, why would you believe that Jesus died for you? I'm like, yeah, it's It's unbelievable. That God would value me so much that he'd give him who is the most precious for me. And I'm like, you know what's amazing? That's not only for me, it's for you too. That's a profound reality, isn't it? That you are of such value to God that God would give him who is most precious for you. Think about the most precious thing you have in the world. Would you trade it for your enemy? I wouldn't. But God does math differently than I do. See, we live in rebellion against guys God. Like, I'm going to give him who's most precious for you, because I want you back. That's a powerful thing. So although Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus, or you think of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, same kind of a situation, where God's doing something amazing, and they step out in the flesh, and they die right there. But we're, what we learn here is that Nadab and Abihu, they should have been the leaders, but now Eliezer and Ithamar the third and fourth son, now are ministering as priests because their older brothers are no longer there. So that kind of gives us that recap. Now, in verse 5, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the tribes of Levi near, and presented them before Aaron the priest.'" that they may serve him. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. They shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel and to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, verse 12, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine, because All the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, they shall be mine. I am the Lord. Now, man, it's going to be hard to make it through two chapters today. There's so, like, I read this, and like, there's so much in these verses Really what we find is that God has a special calling for Aaron and his sons and the Levites specifically, right? What it says here is that I want you to bring the tribe of Levi near and present them to Aaron, the priest, that they may serve Aaron, right? So the Levites are given to Aaron to serve Aaron, but by serving Aaron, notice what it says, they shall attend to his needs and to the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Now, notice that. This is important. Aaron, as the high priest, they are given to him to take care of him, but they're given to him to take care of him, so they take care of everybody. Now, Aaron, at this time, was the high priest, but in the New Testament, who's our high priest? Jesus. That's right. You guys are smart. You guys read your Bibles. Even in church, you get it. So the idea is, is we present ourselves to the Lord and we serve the needs of the Lord. And you know what the needs of the Lord are? The needs of the world. Don't miss that. See, we give our lives to Jesus and God forgives us. And Jesus is like, my work is to do the work of bringing my peace to the world. And we do that through proclaiming the gospel and all that proclaiming the gospel means in social implication get that. It's not just a ministry of proclamation. It's proclamation that is undergirded with demonstration. And this is a beautiful part, I believe, of being a follower of Jesus in this generation. Because there was a long time when it's either we just proclaim the gospel, and then there's a group of Christians say, well, we don't like to proclaim it, we just like to demonstrate it. And really the Bible teaches us both. We don't do one at the expense of the other. We do both together. We say, look, we do this because of Jesus, and Jesus died for us, and we are get saved, and you get saved by putting your faith and trust in him, and we're going to live out that reality by taking care of everybody around us, realizing that everybody is our neighbor, and we're going to find ways to not only bless them with the simple needs, but also work for justice in a world that is broken. So we don't have just one focus. We have the whole thing. Because we give our lives to Jesus, and Jesus says, Well, look, my work is to take care of the congregation. Now, what I love about this is that our primary focus begins with the people of God. Right? But you realize, and I realize, that anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus in the whole world becomes the people of God. So it begins at home... And then it moves out from home and we serve the world at its places of pain in the name of Jesus so that they will realize, I want to be part of the family of God too. So we have to realize, we give ourselves to Jesus and we serve his needs and his needs is actually the needs of the whole world. Now when you think about that, and I didn't even know saying that, and as a pastor here at Crossroads, it's overwhelming when you look at the needs of the world. I mean, there's needs everywhere. But don't forget, the church of Jesus Christ is big. There are people who follow Jesus in every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so we have to get at the things that God lays on our hearts. As a church, as individuals... And the key is to find that way that all of us get engaged in all the different things. For some of us, it's international. For some of us, it's local. For some of us, it's national. For some of us, it's kids. And for some of us, it's people on the margins, the poor. And the key is is for all of us to step out and say, okay, this is what I'm called to. And I'm going to serve in that area. But Jesus is the head. It's the needs of Jesus that drive it. But Jesus said, I did not come to the world to condemn the world, but what? That the world through me might be saved. In Matthew 25, he says, if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in my name, you give it to who? To me. So we give our lives to Jesus, and then Jesus gives us to the world just as he came for the world. And that is what we call the mission of the people of God. See, we are called to so much good in this world. And I think that's why we have so many issues politically in our nation, is because the people of God have kind of gotten set back into churches. We come here to get built up that you and I may go into the world as salt and light. We come here to be instructed and equipped so that we all do the work of the ministry. And so we come so that we can go. We get equipped so that we can serve. And I love this because they're given to Aaron to attend his needs. And then Aaron's like, well, our needs, we're here to serve the whole congregation. It's a very cool and unique calling that we have here. Now notice verse 8. They shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. And so you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Now, you notice what they're saying here is that the Aaron and his sons and the Levites, they have a very specific focus. And I think one of the things that happens when you get people together, is that because God gives people different focuses, everybody ends up thinking, well, why are you doing that? And I'm doing this, and you should be doing what I'm doing. Right? We end up having this tug of war between callings. Right? And it says in 1 Corinthians that they who judge themselves by themselves are what? They're not wise. Remember when Jesus restored Peter in the end of John's gospel? He said, you know, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, tend to my lambs. And then Peter's like, well, what about John? And you know what Jesus says to him? Don't worry about John. you got enough to worry about with yourself. That's what he says to him. He says, listen, it's not about what you follow me. And I think what happens is, is remember, in chapter 1 and 2, all the other tribes have a, one focus, and now the Levites get another focus. And you can imagine Levites being like, well, Why are they getting to do that? I have to do this. And people are like, well, look, the Levites, they have it easy. They just have to deal with the tabernacle. And I think the key is, is we have to stop being like, oh, well, you have to be like me, and I have to be like you, and if you're different than me, then there must be something wrong with me. We never say that. We say, there must be something wrong with you, right? And we have to stop doing that, because everybody is called to different things. But it's all one global work. And so you can imagine, so really what he's saying here is like, look, the Levites, their only job is the tabernacle of meeting. They don't have other things. It goes so far to say if a foreigner comes in, they'll be put to death. Like, don't be busting in saying, I'm supposed to be here at the tabernacle if you're not a Levite. It's a specific calling. And we have to give each other the grace and give ourselves the grace to be called as God has asked us to be. I, you know, I'll be honest, just a moment of of openness for me, it's hard for me sometimes because as a pastor, everybody believes I'm called to everything. You know, it's like it's like, I, like I'm called to do everything. And I'll be honest, it's hard because it's like I can't do everything, right? But I have to learn how to be like, Lord, this is what you've called me to and everything is good and necessary and I want to be involved in everything but I can only be involved in these things so that I can fulfill those things well. You know, it's kind of like the idea is if you are married and you have children, your first ministry is to your spouse and your kids. And if you're helping everybody else out and you're not helping your kids out, then guess what? You're doing a lousy job fulfilling your calling, right? Because your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids, whatever you've been entrusted with, you have to take care of that. And what we have is in a culture of options, everyone feels like they're stretched out in a million directions, So we have to say, God, what have you called me to? What have you equipped me for? What do you have for me? And everyone's is going to be a little different. And we have to be okay to say, look, I think that's great, but I can't do that. And it's an okay thing. Because the Levites were given a very specific job. And God said, look, this is what I want you to do. I don't want anyone else. This is your job to do. And you know what happened if the Levites didn't do their job? It didn't get done. And if you read through the historical books, you know what you start finding? There are times when the priests don't get the job done. They're not teaching the people. They're not taking care of the things of the tabernacle. When they build the temple, they're not taking care of it. And the temple is in disrepair. And the people aren't being taught the things of God. And it's breaking down because they're not focused on their calling. And so God says, look, I want you to be focused on what I've called you to.
0: Jesus is... Today, Pastor Daniel continued in this study of numbers by sharing that everyone has a different role to fulfill. God has given you unique giftings and abilities and wants you to use them in the things he's asking you to do. In a culture used to comparison, it's hard to remember the truth that one person's role isn't more important than anyone else's. God created you just the way you are. He wants you to focus on what he's placed before you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward.
1: You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus Is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world.
0: Find out more and get your own copy at jesusisrealradio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God wants you to be about sharing his peace with the world. You'll learn that he doesn't want you to keep your gifts and abilities to yourself, but to use them to serve the people around you and to share his love with them. Your walk with God isn't just for you alone. You're being equipped to reach out to others and share the hope you found in Jesus. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Busco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Camp. Until then, may God bless.